0: Every great event has traditions. Last year, at, on Boxing Day 2010, or two, 2010, eight of Australian science fiction and fantasy's podcasters came together to discuss the, you know, the, year, the, the year they'd just had and the year ahead. On Boxing Day 2011, almost the same group, Grant Watson wasn't available and Kirsten McDermott joined us, came together to discuss... the the year we'd had, the the year we were looking forward to. Now, because the podcast was being recorded by the cutting-edge engineering team at Good Street Productions, there was another grand tradition of that obeyed, and much of that podcast, well, the opening portion of that podcast was lost. There's about 20 to 25 minutes of podcast out in the ether somewhere, perhaps to bounce off a star and be picked up by somebody else someday, but not as here. And so, as a matter of sort of emergency podcast repair, so some form of Boxing Day mega podcast can go out into the ether, I'm back here to to, uh, discuss with you again some of the details of our podcast, and I'm joined just for a special part of the podcast by Alex in Melbourne. Hello, Alex.
1: Hi, Jonathan. How are you?
0: I'm fine. This is a little bit embarrassing. I feel like I I shouldn't be left in charge of an eraser and pencil.
1: Uh, It makes it authentic or something. (laughs) You know, it makes it real.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess quickly, what we should do is we should introduce the people who will be on the podcast. that Everyone's about to listen to, or the you yeah. know the surviving major portion of it. There you know was... what it makes
1: it feel like? It makes it feel like where you know a Doctor Who
0: episode. Ooh, did you watch the, the special last night?
1: Not yet. I've got it recorded to watch
0: later. Uh... But it
1: does make it feel like you know one of those lost episodes of Doctor <laughs> Who, which we're now just finding bits of.
0: Exactly. It makes me yeah. wonder whether Tansy's actually already watched it three times. <laughs> so you think I bet she has. Um, now, uh, we were joined by the whole Galactic Suburbia crew, which, yep. was, which was...
1: Elisa in Port Kennedy and Tansy in Hobart, plus myself.
0: Yep. We were also joined by the team from The Writer and the Critic, which was Ian in Melbourne and Kirsten in Melbourne. That's Kirsten, mm-hmm. who hadn't, wasn't with us last time. And then there was Gary in...
1: Stinky onion swamp.
0: Oh, he'd been up late drinking. I bet.
1: Uh, which is like <laughs> downtown Chicago. For it those is
0: not on the inside. <laughs> and, and I probably shouldn't say this. You probably never listen to it, so it's safe. In a really ritzy, expensive part of Chicago, Chicago so there's no stinky <laughs> onion about it at all. You know, it's only when you sort of you you, drop, you know stroll past the Rolls Royce dealership that's just around the corner on the way to the five star restaurant that you realise that no, it's not. Any kind Jonathan, of stick
1: is it my turn to now say I think we're rambling?
0: Absolutely, okay. <laughs> what would, what basically, the format of the podcast that we laid out was that we would talk about, we would look back on what we'd recommended for 2011 mm-hmm. uh, and, and just give, give a, sc- a score on that. Then we'd, then we'd talk about what we actually were going to do. So just very quickly, because I've got notes here on it, I'll run through what we had been looking forward to. And maybe you can uh, bounce back with what you recall of what people said just to keep me honest and make sure I was right.
1: Oh, that
0: and, could be dangerous. Well, Tansy had said she was looking forward to Marion de Pierre's YA novel, Burn Bright. Which she also, did. And the publication of her own novels. And yes. she had two books out during the year. She had the second book in her, her series from yep. Collins, and she had yep. her short collection, Love and Roman Punk. That's right. Grant emailed in, well, he was going to be part of the podcast, and he had said he was looking forward to Game of Thrones. And there's actually podcasts about it, I believe, saying just how much he did enjoy it, which is good. Hmm. Alisa, rather interestingly in retrospect, had said she was looking forward to Swancon. Now, what was your recollection of her answer to that?
1: I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> pretty sure that's close to verbatim.
0: <laughs> I think that's a very fair summary. <laughs> 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 Gary responded at some length to his comments about having been looking forward to Ch- China Medieval's Embassy Town, which were wise and interesting and funny, but I don't recall what they were, do you? Uh, positive. Yes, positive. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Positive. (laughs) Now, Ian had um, said he was really looking forward to reading Wise Man's Fear by Patrick Rothfuss. Yes. Not enough to actually read it, though.
1: No, he didn't. He didn't even buy it, as far as I can remember. (laughs) Which is fair, because the thing's like two sets of doorstops. It's a thousand pages, and it's only a second book in a series.
0: And also, I mean, this is still supposed to be fun. I mean, none of us are really sort of under some sentence to sort of read these things. So I think it's actually a, a pretty good part of the spectrum of looking forward to, to things that you never actually end up doing them. Sure. Now, you had said you were looking forward to Swan Con, a new novel by Al Reynolds and a new novel by Ian MacDonald. Yes. How did that all work out for you? Yeah, all well, very
1: good, actually. I loved Swan Con. Uh, I was mistaken about when the new Alistair Reynolds book was going to come out, so it's actually not coming out until the start of 2012. But I adored Dervish House, the Ian McDonald
0: book. So,
1: I, yeah, a pretty good hit rate,
0: really. Magic. And I had said that I was looking forward to San Diego's World Fantasy Convention, Plans Runner* by Ian McDonald, and A Clockwork Rocket by Greg Egan. Now, I think I said this yesterday, but basically I was scared off by, by our own PR when it came to the Greg Egan <laughs> this idea of there being a an exam at the front of the book put me off wanting to read it, I admit. Uh, <laughs> though I probably should go back and look at it. I'm sure it would be terrific. Uh, I didn't really much like the San Diego World Fantasy, though in, in fairness to it, it came down to uh, the venue, which I didn't especially like. And I guess just where I was, I was tired and not very well when I got there, but it wasn't the kind of energizing experience that Columbus had been. Mm-hmm. Um I will say there are plans afoot for Toronto in 2012, so who knows? Maybe that will be the convention I needed to be. And Planes Runner was one of my books of the year. I think it's just a fantastic, fun romp of a book. So yeah, all in Uh, all, I think we did okay. Um, The next part of the podcast, and this is where our our original recording will pick up, was the second question that I was going to ask everybody was... What was your favorite science fiction fantasy thing of 2011? It could be a book, a comic, a film, or whatever. It doesn't really matter. You were the first person to answer, Alex. Yes. So allowing that that's the answer that is missing and that we'll pick up on the tail end of, <laughs> what was your favorite SF thing of the year?
1: Uh, well, I really, really did enjoy SwanCon. I had a great deal of fun going over to Perth um, at Easter this year and spending those four or five days with people that I really only get to see once a year from all over the country and talking about science fiction and fantasy and just having a really intense block of time to do that and to go to some panels and to stay up late talking about the things and disagreeing with, with people and so on. And I love going to award ceremonies, so that was fun, going to the Ditmas and the uh, Tin Ducks as well. So Swancom is definitely a science fiction fantasy highlight for my for me um, this year. Uh, in terms of reading, um, I read the entirety of the Vorcorsigan saga by Lois McMaster-Bujold, all 13 books, including some uh, novellas, in seven weeks. That's a lot of miles
0: in a short period uh, of time. uh,
1: Yeah, quite literally a lot of miles... Um, yeah, and, and part of the reason for that was uh, so that I could vote sensibly in the Hugos because Cryoburn, the 13th one, was up for uh, the Hugo. Um, and also because I've had all of these friends telling me that Vorkosigan novels are just so amazing. So now I feel like I'm slightly more part of you know, the science fiction community because I can comment sensibly on Vorkosigan <laughs> now. So that definitely ranks as one of the highlights for me. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs>
0: Well, I guess that then takes us to what people will hear when the podcast resumes hmm. is Ian Mond, in fact, interjecting to talk to you about Dracosigan yes. because I think he has very strong thoughts and you know, in fact I think raises raises the matter of ha- how strong you thought Cryoburn was, which yes. you know between I think you and I, I remember reading it at the time and liking it and then I, the, it seemed weaker and weaker the you know the more I look back on it, whereas yes. the strong books in the saga. And there are some terrific books in the set. Yes. Um, really do stand up very, very, very well. Yeah. Uh, and I reread a few of them myself during the year, so...
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, no, I didn't think Cryoburn was as good as some of those ones in the middle. So, I mean, I can understand why it got onto the ballot, I think. But, yeah, I was kind of pleased in an odd way that it didn't win.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I think we all... Well, I'm not going to say we all would have picked a different winner than... Or, you know uh, But the ballot was solid, and yeah, I would have liked to have seen different results, but
1: mm. oh, it was a great shortlist.
0: It was. Yes. And, and, um, and of course we can say that about mm, three and a half months out from the next one coming out. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> awards. You, we well, love
0: awards. We do. It gives the whole year structure. Anyway, it's been lovely revisiting the subject <laughs> with you, Alex, however, unintentionally how it was, yes. I look forward to another boxing day podcast with you in this coming sort of Christmas in 2012
1: which is too weird to think about I know
0: isn't it yeah I mean of course Elisa as she says is going to be off in Paris honeymooning so you know just
1: spoiled it
0: oh sorry sorry (laughs) you can skip the rest of the podcast now sorry (laughs) we'll leave all that alone
1: yes and now you get to go and listen to what Elisa actually did enjoy in 2011
0: and thank you for rejoining me
1: indeed okay bye uh no
0: okay
2: good answer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, only asking. I'm only asking because you'd read a, a concentrated burst of Bujold and you, you know the middle ones are better. There's no doubt about that. Um, so relative no, to the, I was
1: disappointed by Cryburn. To be honest, yeah, it felt like an earlier. It felt like an earlier book because I didn't think that it was nearly as interesting in terms of its plotting or its characters as the as the other ones. So no, no. Nope.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> now, Elisa, who I think temporarily dropped out of the call there for a minute... Are you yeah. back? Yay! Okay. Yay! Well, then you're back in time to alphabetically be asked what your favourite science fictional fantasy thing of the year was, though I reckon I already know, but please tell us. Oh,
3: I was going to say The Hunger Games and the final Harry Potter movie.
0: Really? Yeah. Okay, I would have thought you might have picked winning a World Fantasy Award, but there you go. I'm
4: not sure you're allowed to
1: say that. I, I,
0: I think, okay, it's a podcast. It's us. Is this really anything? an act
1: in humility, Elisa? No, 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 no. This is a place <laughs> to show off.
0: <laughs> okay, Well, so she, so reading The Hunger Games and the final Harry Potter movie were your highlights of the year? Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, so I think this, she, I would have missed it. feels like
3: a professionally not a science fictionist.
0: Well, it's a bit of both. But, you know, fine highlights, I think. And, of course, publishing a whole mess of books must have been um, a highlight as well. You got, what, four of the 12 planets out?
3: Yeah, and, and a novella double. It's been a bit insane.
0: So busy, busy times. Okay. Yeah. And how about you, Gary? What have, what have been your highlights of the, of the year, SFFFYs? It depends on what you
5: mean SFYs, and I don't know if this will make any sense to anybody outside the United States, but I'm tempted to say that my favorite science fictional event of the year was reading news reports of the uh, Republican Party presidential debates, which came across as an increasing contest between Ayn Rand and Starship Troopers, and all these people (laughs) want to be president. And I thought... We don't need The Hunger Games. We don't need dystopian novels. We don't really even need Paolo Bacicalupi because we're doing it here in our own country.
1: <laughs>
0: Good to hear no, you hear wait, That's up.
1: not funny. That's sad.
0: <laughs> well, it's both, actually. It's Well, no. It's,
1: well, it, it, it's
5: funny in that none of them have a chance of, of ever winning anything, and they're all eating each other alive. But... Um, the, the, I, I'll tell you something, okay, on, on, on the positive side, which is nothing I did and nothing I can take responsibility for, except that I've known Nnedi uh, Okorafor since I was on her dissertation committee here, and and she, three years ago, was just finishing her doctorate or something, and now she's got a World Fantasy Award, and I thought, I, I don't like I say, I don't take any credit for that, but no. seeing somebody from the very, very beginning of their career go that far that fast was just very, very pleasing to me.
0: Excellent. How about you, Ian? You obviously spent some time not reading books this year.
2: Yeah, no, I did read books, but I have three things. Uh, discovering Ken Liu and his short fiction, that was a highlight of the year, especially Paper Menagerie, which I think a number of us put down as our best uh, short story, one of our best short stories of the year. Yeah. Uh, really enjoyed that. Um, having my name immortalised in a Rob Shearman story and actually <laughs> – as one of the 100 stories he's writing, which will probably take him about 35 years to write, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, because because my because my name got uh, turned into um, into another language, so it was uh, I think what was I uh, love you or something I, I forget I should know off the top of my head, but that was great. And the third thing, which is a bit left field, is um, Robin Penn's summary of Ditmar Wank of 2011.
4: <laughs> oh, which, that was pretty
2: awesome. Which was one of the great, awesome source things of the year, which probably won't make sense to anyone outside of Australia, but if you go to, I think he did it on his live journal, so if you put in Robin Penn and Dipmar and 2011, you can see because he takes the entire wank that was Ditmar Wank and summarises it brilliantly with, with so, famous actors in the roles of yes. the people who were involved.
4: So is this the beginning of a campaign to get Robin a Dittmar nomination for said
2: summary? Yes. yes, it is. Yes, it absolutely is. So it was done early, so I knew people would forget. So now it's December; It's time to remind people of this particular piece of genius. And I think I'm still Matthew Broderick, which is great, because I like Matthew Broderick. So, um, so yeah, I, absolutely. He deserves nomination and win, I think. But anyway, that's me. For, for what, best fan writer, are you figuring? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Yeah, or, uh, yeah, whatever, whatever category suits. Yeah, the Special Achievement, one of those. I don't know, I can't... Which, which one's? What about the
4: it? William Attling? Yeah, very
2: good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, review.
4: Very,
2: yeah, very funny. Very good. Oh, yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, since alphabetically it's me next, I should say that all none of the events really sort of lived up to my hopes or expectations this year, but the reading was terrific. I mean, I read two Two really brilliant novels, I think, among others by Joe Walton and Planes Runner by Ian MacDonald, and a whole bunch of very good ones. The short story year was – it's one of those weird years where, you know, there weren't that many really stunningly brilliant stories, but the year – there's just so much fiction published every year, there's always going to be some great stuff in amongst it. And it actually was a great year for genre TV. I mean, last year Grant who's not with us said one of the things he was looking forward to was Game of Thrones, the HBO series. And I watched and loved that. And there's been some great, you know, some great movies and stuff so, you know, really it's just been a a great year all around. I mean, if it came down to one thing, I guess I'd pick Planes Runner maybe, but that would be because I was forced to pick. And since nominally I get to ask the questions, I don't have to be forced to pick. <laughs> And also, I guess podcasting has been a highlight of the year. Every now and again, it's been a little bit of a slog, but because it's like occasionally I have rolled out of bed at 9 o'clock and podcast at 5 past 9 in the morning. Uh, And you can tell because you can hear me sort of waking up as the the, the podcast goes on. (laughs) And actually, now that I think about it, I know what a highlight of the year was. Certainly having Ursula Le Guin to chat with for for an hour or so. That That was was, a
4: wonderful podcast.
0: Yeah, that was that was something I would never have expected, to have had the opportunity to do. So I was very, very you know, delighted to have it happen. It was a highlight. So. Mm. now, Kirsten, yes, you no. have had you've you've had your big stick ready to beat up Ian all year long, <laughs> but I've been a good boy this podcast so far. So far, but we'll get back to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how about you? What has been your favourite SFF thing of the year?
6: Um oh, I'm I I can't pick just one, so I'm I'm gonna just go through a couple. Um I think in terms of my reading, um the the most delightful thing I think I came across this year was Lisa Hannett's debut collection, uh, Bluegrass Symphony, which is stunning. It's a really amazing collection of short stories. Um in no small part because it's a debut collection of almost Original fiction. I think there's one reprint in there, um, and it's it's so beautifully thematically tied together. Um, it doesn't have crossover characters in the stories, but the setting, the tone, the writing, it's a it's an astonishing debut. Um, so that was what definitely a highlight. Um, and actually, it's a, a recent one. We I caught up just this week. Um, a UK TV show called Black Mirror, which mm-hmm. was written by Charlie Brooker, who did Dead Set. It's phenomenal. It's some of the smartest science fiction television I've seen in a long time. Um, What's so it called again? Uh, Black Mirror. It's only three, three episodes. It was a mini-series. Each episode is self-contained and completely unrelated to the other two, except that they're all um, they're all science fictional and they're all sort of, I guess, very dark comments on, on uh, society, and especially the way we interact with technology. Um, the second episode was, was quite gutting, actually. <laughs> it was, um, but, yeah, it's really phenomenal television. I was incredibly impressed um, and really devastated when I went and Googled and found out it was only three episodes. <laughs> there aren't any more. So if that, if that comes to Australian television at some stage next year or, or people can acquire it by other means, um, highly, highly recommend Black Mirror. It's really, really good. Um, and and surprisingly, I didn't expect it to be so good. Um, yeah, so they were probably my, my two standouts from, from I guess, on screen and, and on page this year.
0: Brilliant. And Tansy, how about you?
4: Oh, I have lots.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, lots <laughs> is a good... You, no, it's a great thing.
4: You knew that I would. I don't have any particular, like, standout in a one book or one show, but I think I have a few... I guess, experiences. Um, one I wanted to mention was reading um, Joanna Russ's The Female Man for our Galactic Suburbia spoilerific podcast. I'm not going to say the book was my favourite thing I read this year because it was a very hard and confronting read, but I'm really glad that I got through it. Yeah. And that yes, we just, and the experience of reading it and discussing it, and not just with, with Alex and Elisa, but with other listeners and yeah, I, I'm really in – sometimes it's like Alex was saying about Lois McMaster-Bujold, having that experience behind you and feeling like you get a little more of what everybody's talking about. You've got another little piece of the science fictional history. So that felt like an accomplishment. Um, reading for the tip, tip, tip Tree Jury, which has been an amazing experience this year and one I can't really talk about in great detail, but being <laughs> chosen to be on the tip Tree Jury was just such a huge career goal and it's been a really lovely experience so far, and I've got to read so much stuff. Some books I probably would have read anyway, um, others which I probably wouldn't have come across or wouldn't have necessarily picked up this year, and and a few that I've personally sort of hunted out and hopefully put brought to the attention of the jury, so I sort of feel like I'm pulling my weight. Um, and the other big reading experience has been getting back into comics and particularly reading Monthly comics on the iPad, which is something I haven't read regular monthly comics for, Mm. oh, well, at least probably a good seven or eight years and haven't really enjoyed it for longer than that.
2: (laughs) There was some. I'm with you there, Tansy. I'm with you there. It's been the same for me.
4: I have trouble quitting comics (laughs) once I'm reading them. You know it's, and so i yeah i'd stopped enjoying the experience
5: and so, so i've come I'm, back I, I, um, i'm interested really if other people had the same because i have not done this but i've heard from a number of people that the ipad has reinvigorated their interest in comics like this
4: absolutely i mean the big trouble is as you get older and i know we all have the problem of archiving your books mm. but comics are worse there's no comfortable way to do it i have a filing cabinet in the corner of my study, which I bought in my teens, specifically to keep my comics in. And, you know, <laughs> there's no more room. Uh, they, they stack up. They take up so much space. And, yeah, getting into a comic shop. I don't – the only decent comic shop we have in Hobart is the second floor, which was completely ruled out for me when I had a baby in a pram. Mm. Uh, and it's right in town, which I don't get to that much anymore. So actually just picking up my comics, my monthly order had become an ordeal. So yeah, mm-hmm. the iPad has completely revitalized reading comics. I'm also reading a lot of trades, which is the thing that kind of revitalized comics reading for a lot of adults before the iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just really getting into it. And one of my, my best friends who lives locally is also getting back into comics at the same time. And so we've been feeding each other's addiction, which is great fun. Again, it's that thing of, experience something at the same time as other people and getting to share stuff mm. uh, and, and even sharing it with my family. Like my partner and I very rarely read the same book at the same time, enough to talk about it. But with comics, if I read a really good graphic novel, he can read it and it won't take a huge chunk of his time and then we can talk about it and that's really cool. Mm. And so actually the one kind of piece of media, I guess, that I've taken probably most pleasure out of this year is the comic series Tiny Titans. Tiny Titans. Mm -hmm. because this has been the comic book I have shared with my daughter, my six-year-old daughter. And it's basically a peanut-style kids' comic based around kid versions of superhero characters from the DC Comics. And it's so good and it's so witty and it's written with such a kind of loving reference to all the comic book continuity. But it also appeals to kids on that level. And so she now knows – Huge amount of DC Comics commu-
0: <laughs> continuity.
4: Um, it's pro- it's still one of the, it's one of the best for all the. No, there's some great comics being produced by DC right now, but this is the best. Honestly, it's just so good, and it's the kids' comic that I'd kind of wanted without realizing it, and it's been around for ages, and I hadn't known about it. So I'm really excited. And so yeah, she got a, she got a few graphic novels for Christmas. Cool. And I'm gonna be reading them too. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love that she now is completely in love with characters, not just characters like Batgirl or Wonder Girl and things like that, but she's also, you know, she's crazy about Raven from the Teen Titans, who is not a character you would think. It, you know, appeals to a six-year-old, but she, she, likes, she likes the little emo girl. So, yeah, <laughs> okay. there have been many good experiences, but those those are all, yeah, those are all pretty.
0: Well, see, the great thing about that is I'm actually, since you started telling me, I'm now downloading Tiny Titans issue one on my iPad, so...
4: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's how I first discovered them. Actually, the first 12 or so are available really cheaply on, or well, the first one's free,
0: yeah.
4: and the rest are really cheap on the iPad, and that's how Rayleigh started reading them. And so she has been reading them on the iPad and, and loving them, and then one of her best friends, who's the son of the friend of mine who's really into comics, he's also been reading them on the <laughs> iPad. And they both now get them yeah. in trades and swap the comics back and forth and they play Tiny Titans in the school playground. And Excellent. It's so cool.
0: See, see I had uh, James Bradley, who's a mutual friend of a number of ours now, uh, recommended Warren Ellis's Planetary to me. And yeah. that was that was the, the, the thing that got me back to reading comics. The only thing that's been annoying me is that some of these arty comic types don't want their comics on iPads. Uh, so that's why I ended up getting Hicksville for Christmas and Craig Thompson's blankets because you can't get them for the iPad which is yeah. awfully frustrating and annoying but... well,
4: it is I quite like the trades because they do fit nicely on a bookshelf unlike mm. comics
0: yeah
4: and you know there is the I, there is the issue I'm eyeing off the storage on my iPad as well and you know electronic comics are lovely but it's still DRM to the hilt and you can't back them up so I'm a little bit cautious about that aspect
2: yeah, oh. yeah that's 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 the biggest issue with the iPad I mean it's revolutionized. Comics, but the fact that they're all DRM protected, uh, you yeah, if if something happens you've lost them and you've spent the money. But that's not gonna stop me from doing it.
4: No, I'm I'm the same, because yes, everything's on my account, so we could wipe it off the iPad and I can still go and get it, but they control the account. I also have an issue with usability. Like I quite like the app. There are a lot of good functions about it. It irritates Mm -hmm. me beyond all measure that it's not flexible enough. I can't create folders. To put, for instance, yeah. all the comics that I'm okay with my six-year-old daughter reading in one place so she can easily find them.
0: Yeah.
4: No, she actually has to go and scroll through and remember which ones I've said that it's okay for her to read mm-hmm. and which ones it's not.
0: That's not so good.
4: And that's not so good. Um, you know, we share an iPad as a family. I'd love to have that usability. But because the app, it, it, because Comicsology is so DRM, there's no way to kind of around that. And that really frustrates me because... I'm really enjoying sharing the comics yeah. with my daughter. But, you know, she's been playing Lego ba- the Lego Batman computer game. She's interested in Catwoman. There are some Catwoman comics on my iPad that I don't <laughs> want her anywhere near. You know, I kind of wish I hadn't read them.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
5: a, couple, a couple of years ago, I was out at a dinner party. It was, it was, there's a long anecdote behind this. But I, I, was, I was trying to meet Neil Gaiman over at the Newberry Library, which is three blocks from me. And he signed a bunch of books. And then we ended up going to dinner. It was supposed to be the two of us. And there were like 12 people along with us. Uh, and I had to find a restaurant on Saturday night in my neighborhood in Chicago. is not easy to find a restaurant where you can put 12 people in. And so I'm sitting at the table. And one of the people who I get introduced to is a friend of Neil's, Scott McCloud. His oh, yeah. book, Understanding oh. Comics, I had read. Yeah, he's a friend you know, of Marianne's.
0: Yeah.
5: Oh, really? Yeah. I think Scott is the best theoretician of comics I've ever read. Yes, and In fact, that's one of the best works of literary criticism I've read, but even then, this is probably four years ago, I'm thinking, he was talking about, not the iPad specifically, but how the Internet is going to completely explode the world of comics, and he was doing a, a, a strip then, which I assume he's still doing, that presumably you have an infinite strip. You have a strip that can go on and on and on, and you can always retrieve parts of it, and he, he said it's going to revolutionize the way comics are being read. And we were all thinking, yeah, right, Scott. But what you're saying is exactly that. Hmm.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And webcomics as well. I mean, it's really interesting how well you're talking about trying to monetize the internet. I think some of the best creative people I've seen who are putting their work out there for free and yet managing to make an income from their work are the webcomics people. Um, Because, you know, you fall in love with a webcomic. You go back and read seven years' worth. Mm -hmm. You know, you recover with a cup of coffee. Uh, after then seven you day, buy them all in hard copy. And then you buy them in hard copy and then you buy the T-shirts, you know. And I find that really Bad. interesting. Like, I love questionable content and they've just started putting out the trades, one a year. And, you know, as soon as the second one came out, I was ordering it. Um, Harker Vagrant's book came out this year and I ordered copies for Christmas presents. <laughs> um, yeah. And and it's I, I find that really interesting. Uh, as, because, you know, we, we've all been there with people experimenting, putting fiction out for free, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Mm. Trying to get the money out of that for science fiction magazines is an issue, you know, we're, we're all kind of aware of from various aspects. I find it really interesting how successfully that several webcomics have managed to be with that.
0: Mm. Interesting times. Well, since we all seem to have predicted 2011 really, really well, and mm-hmm. since we all seem to have had at least something j- happen during the year that made us think it was a good and a worthwhile year to be involved in as a science fiction and fantasy consumer, for want of a better way of describing it, I guess it's this point that we turn towards, you know, the year ahead. Now, three of us perhaps have a little bit of an advantage in this because we've been forced to sit and write articles about on this very subject, and by that I mean Alisa uh, Gary, and myself, who did a SF Signal mind meld. So probably mm-hmm. we'll, we, we'll, we can sit here and feel quite comfortable, but. Alex, what are you looking forward to in 2012? What will make 2012 a good science fiction and fantasy year for you? Um,
1: well, again, because I'm that sort of person, I'm looking forward to NatCon. Um, it, this year it's in Melbourne, my hometown, uh, over the June Queen's birthday long weekend. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that, to not having to travel a long distance to it will be very nice. Um I think, that again, just being able to catch up with, well, pretty much half of you guys, really, um, that I only see maybe once a year if I'm lucky, uh, you know, meet other people and so on and go to panels and have, you know, a weekend kind of completely divorced from basically real life, which is quite nice. Um, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to NatCon this year. Um, in terms of movies, I'm really looking forward to the Avengers movie, Um I'm pretty sure it's coming out next year. Now I could be looking like an idiot. But anyway, um, the last few years have made me realise that I'm a total sucker for superhero movies. Uh So The Avengers is just going to be perfect. I hope so anyway. It should hopefully be good. Um, No pressure though. No no pressure, Whedon. No pressure whatsoever. (laughs) Um, In terms of books, there are a few series that I'm hoping will be finished next year. So um, Tansy your third book is going to be coming out next year and I'm in really
4: a month. in, a, in month. a month.
1: Yeah. In a I, month. I, I need closure. It's with that one. And um, <laughs> not the, the only one. Yeah, I know. I I didn't think I was, um, I'm Holly Black, Holly Black's curse worker, I think it's only a trilogy, Black Heart is coming out next year and I'm kind of hoping that that will be the the, the final of that series as well to have some, again, conclusion with that particular series. Um, For myself, though, and the things that aren't actually coming out new, um, I'm going to try and read, uh, well, basically, um, well, all all that I can find of um, Ursula Le Guin and Joanna Russ's work Mm -hmm. that's one of my goals for next year is to i've got a whole pile of their back catalog sitting on my shelf which i've not quite got around to over the last few years and i'd quite like to to do that partly because i'm currently reading the james tiptree jr biography and it's made me realize that that kind of era and those authors are the things that i really want to be more aware of i guess so yeah it's an amazing book it's, it's astonishing. <clears throat> I was annoying people yesterday at, during Christmas. Just, just no, no. I have to go and find out what happened to Sheldon. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, yes. So if those are of got. Are,
5: if any of you are going to be in Chicago for WorldCon this coming year, I will personally drive you to Alice Sheldon's childhood home.
1: Oh, oh. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so not going to be me, sadly. Which is still intact. That's
2: awesome. Are there actual people in there, or do you just wander in?
5: No, that's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's still in use. It's it's, it's, it's it's an apartment building in Hyde Park near the University of Chicago, which is still rented out. I, I discovered it a few years ago, and it's – no, you can't go in because there are people living there, and the city of Chicago <laughs> has no idea in the world who Alice Sheldon was. We're still trying to figure out who Philip K. Dick and Fitzliber were. <laughs>
0: So oh, the things I, can... I
1: won't be doing next year are going to Chicago and seeing Alice Sheldon's childhood home. But other than that,
0: <laughs> and stalking some strangers who get very, very thrown off during the convention, going, who are these people who keep staring at our house and why? Right. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, well that's excellent. That sounds like a re- a, f- a fulfilling and rewarding year. How uh, about you? El- how about you, Elisa? What, what what's got you interested and excited for 2012?
3: I'll <laughs> um, I'm supposed to
4: say my wedding goes up. So is it going to be a science fiction or wedding? We're all hoping for the Star Trek uniforms. Yeah, that's going
3: to be next. I only raised
0: that one to be next, so no. Uh, actually, actually, my question is, when you've said your vows, are you going to step into a TARDIS?
3: <laughs>
0: no. No, I will <laughs> Okay, yes, continue. <laughs> I'm
3: looking forward to The Hunger Games first movie. I think it's going to yep. be horrible. I'm not going to be able to watch it. I'm still going to go. Hooray! Um, yeah, I'm going to take one for the team on that one. Um, I'm really looking forward to, I already used my mind, um, Mary Cow Cowsicle to um, Shaded Milk and Honey, which I loved. I've only just finished reading it. Can't wait for this one. Um, and also the Curse Workers Final, as, as Alice said, I'm forward to that. I'm looking forward to um, some stuff I'm going to publish as well, mostly because then I'll finish them. Um, Yeah, and I I think it'll be a good short story, I just have a feeling.
0: Yeah. It tends to be a cycle, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah, it's like 2010 was a bit better than 2011, so maybe 2012 will be the next one up. What about uh, Toronto, Elisa?
3: Yeah, I'm not going to make it to Toronto, Well, Chicago, sadly, I'm going to
0: take a not a scientific convention year. Okay. <laughs> but you'd be at, World, you'd be at, you'd be at uh, NatCon, though?
3: I'd be at NatCon, probably.
0: Yeah. See, I can't go to that. Because I'd have yeah. to fly home for the last day as my daughter's... All the Melbourne, convent, that Melbourne convention is always my daughter's birthday weekend. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah so, and I'll have to... It's not very practical, but anyway. So, Gary... You've written an article for SF Signal on the subject. You're, you're, we're already beating you with sticks at, at Locus and making you read 2012 books. What are you looking looking forward to in 2012? And I already have well, some answers, so tell us.
5: Now that none of my friends on this podcast seem to be coming to Toronto where I'm master of ceremonies, I'm looking forward to that, not because it's going to be – and, and, and I, get to, I get to follow Connie Willis, who was this year's. Uh, but but uh, two of my good friends, uh, Liz Hand and John Clute, are the guests of honor there. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, in terms of books, um, well, there are two. Uh, Liz, as I mentioned, Liz Hand, she's got two novels coming out. One is a young adult novel, and one is um, a follow-up to her Generation Loss, which is not science fiction, but I, I love the tough-mindedness of those novels. And, um, oh, what else? Uh, there'll be another shiny me able young adult novel this year which should be oh, very interesting um, yeah. in terms of movies I've i been watching the previews for the Hobbit and I'm sorry but I am completely falling for it I think it's working, it looks gorgeous yeah, um,
1: me too
5: and the one thing, that I, the one unknown factor, and I don't think any previews are out for it now, but I think it's supposed to be appear by the end of the year, is the film of Cloud Atlas Oh wow! with Tom Hanks and Susan Sarandon and a whole bunch of people that make me think, okay, in order to afford those people, they must have made mistakes with the script. <laughs> but still, it could be either the best or the worst science fiction movie of the year. And then the other one, which is a completely unknown factor and which I would completely have ignored had it not been for Michael Chabin's involvement, is John Carter. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and it could, again, it could be the best or the worst science fiction movie of the year. Uh, the previews are hard to read, but the previews are out on the on, on the web now.
0: They certainly, they certainly carry the seed in it of being either an appallingly bad or a really quite good movie. Mm-hmm. So. There, is, there is a
5: I, – I, I've not watched it yet, but I have it on my Netflix list, a movie called I think A Princess of Mars, which oh, apparently okay. is a quickie knockoff of this. It's already out. It seems to be absolutely appalling. <laughs> And i thinking maybe all the badness got sucked into that movie, and they can actually make a
0: good movie out of John Carter now. Oh, if only that were the case. If only the world worked no, that It way. Never, never works that way. No. But what's you just say. Okay, how about you, Ian? I mean, obviously the highlight of your science fiction fantasy year is going to be coming over to Perth in January and hanging out and having coffee and beer and stuff. But as a runner-up to that, what are you hoping for?
2: Yeah, yeah. You've, you've worked me out really well, Jonathan. That's great. Uh, that is the highlight. Um did you, did you hear the sarcasm there?
0: Yeah, I did. Yeah, no, I did yeah, yeah. thanks. No, thanks. Yeah, yeah, thanks. yeah, yeah great. And yeah, nah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like to this year finish at least one short story magazine's run for a year, because I started really well with last short story, but I never got to finish it. Like Clark's World, Asimov's, F and SF, I seemed to stop about halfway, which was a bit poor. And well, there th- could be a reason we were- for that. It's yeah, not always
4: be. your fault.
2: No. No, true, true. Although I hear there were some really good stories in Asimov's towards the latter part of the year, so I feel a bit bad that I missed them. So uh, apologies to those writers. Although you, you guys, well, Jonathan, you must have read most of them.
0: I did read most of them, yeah. In fact, uh, I looked at all of them, but I and I read many of them, and I did read through to the end of the year, yeah. And there were particularly, uh, I think, Kid's Johnson's story and Asimov's uh, "The Man Who Bridged the Mist," whatever it is, is particularly outstanding. So you, you did miss a, a great one there.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, which I'll, I'll try and catch up with because that leads on to my next thing, which is to finally vote intelligently for the Hugo's for the short story and novella categories, and, yeah. uh, and that because I haven't been, I've never been able to do that before, but this time I've got well at least forty stories that I could throw in the mix for that, so that's a, that's a first for me, so I'm looking forward to that, and uh, that'll include probably getting up with the kids Johnson. Um, also, I'm going to because of Kirsten because she's evil, uh, <laughs> she she made me. She made me read uh, Red Tree last year, which made me fall in love with Caitlin Keenan. Mm-hmm. and to- and Total Forces in Clips Four only added to that. So I've gone and bought her entire backlist on ABE because a lot of her stuff's out of print, and I you intend to I catch up with a bit of that. It to you. No, no, I want I want to own it I want to get more <laughs> books. I want my books, uh, okay. and and uh, yes, uh, I'm going to do that. And I'm looking forward to Prometheus, the Ridley Scott alien mm. prequel, which even though the, the, the trailer is a little bit... oh and the, Yeah, the trailer's... I'm not sure. I'm still looking forward to it and The Dark Knight Rises because mm-hmm. that is an awesome trailer. And finally, in March, I'm looking forward to doing um, the, the Dalek commentary with Rob Shearman. Yes, I've mentioned him again. Stage <laughs> for the Adelaide Writers Festival in front of who knows how many people. We've got an hour and a half to do it. Really on stage? That's that's actually pretty good. They're even paying me. I can't believe that. Are they going to let you there. podcast?
0: So, will they let you podcast it?
2: I don't know. I'd ask to see if we can, uh, but I, I don't know. It might be proprietary to the Adelaide Writers Festival, so I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah, but uh, well, maybe they will do a recording anyway. But uh, yeah, that should be pretty pretty good. So it's uh, we've done this. It's the same commentary we did uh, uh, at Swancon a couple of years ago. Although it won't be the same words because I can't remember what I said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although probably some of the same gags and uh, and plus a question and answer session so uh, yeah that's going to be pretty cool and Rob Rob will be in Perth uh, no, will he be, no he won't be in Perth he'll be in Melbourne as well for okay. a week after the Adelaide Writers Festival
0: Yeah, I, I, that's what he tells me uh, Adelaide looks like a lot of fun I'd, I'd hope to get there but timing again is not quite friendly unfortunately for that one but it sounds like a great time so that's great yeah well it's all Sean Williams and to time. make you feel a little bit mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned because he's been I'm, I'm involved in that. What was that, Gary?
5: I was going to say at the moment I'm sitting here. As as, as soon as you mentioned that, I'm I'm sitting here looking at Caitlin Kernan's The Drowning Girl, which <laughs> looks to me to be better than The Red Tree, and it, it it made me think of something I should have listed among highlights of the year. But this was a very good year for retrospectives. We had major retrospectives from Caitlin Kernan, Carol Imshuler, and Lucy Sussex. Yep. Uh, that. In all cases were careers that really needed to be celebrated and in some sense never had been in the field. These are major, major writers who, because of having written a lot of interesting stuff over a lot of years, I don't think anybody had seen their stuff together. And the Carol Emsfiller collection was only the first of two volumes. But those were three of the major
0: books of the year, I thought.
5: Definitely. Yeah. Okay.
0: Excellent. Well, I've got to tell you that uh, having been burnt out and tired all year – I find myself with a list of stuff for 2012 that suggests that I'm really, really actually excited. I mean, there's a lot of movies. We've talked about most of them already. Uh, I have to say, I'm really looking forward to the next Aardman film, uh, Pirates, an adventure with scientists, I think it's called, which looks fantastic and a lot of fun. I'm looking forward Mm -hmm. to Brave, the new Pixar movie, which is coming out in the first third of the year. The trailers are fantastic. It's the first... Pixar movie that's not about dads, which is nice, um, and has a, has a female protagonist. Uh, the trailer looks just awesome. I'm sort of kind of nervously excited about the John Cardiff uh, film, which, as you said, Ian, is both equal parts sort of win and suck it from the look of the trailer of it. I'm, uh, the, the Hobbit looks great. I can't wait to see Hugo. Everything I hear about that sound, it sounds awesome. Uh, the, the continuing season of Fringe. And hopefully it's it's mm. ultimate renewal for I think a fifth season because I'm loving Fringe, uh, more Doctor Who, more Doctor Who tonight. In fact, I think it is. Isn't that right, Tansy? More more It, Doctor- is, it yeah, is. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and um, second season of Game of Thrones. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm all f- for a sort of primitive looking ritual to sex with lots of other stuff in the background and maybe even more dragons. So that'll cool. that that'll be awesome. Uh, I, I really have so many books that I could you know prattle on for ages uh, i'm very 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 excited about the second of the ian mcdonald books everness which i know he's finished and which i know lou anders has a copy of and which you know i know he never lets you see the early advanced copies of and no one listening to this podcast ian would ever think about letting me see an early advanced copy of it ian but <laughs> gosh i'd really, really 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 love to should that ever happen um not that i'm sort of putting, my, n- not at all no. it would just be nice uh, I really loved reading, um, the output from Daniel Abrahams this year. I'd read some of his short stories, but none of his novels. He delivered two things, which I think I needed as a reader, which were really center of the genre kind of books. Uh, first of all, there was, uh, Leviathan's Wake, the big, um, space opera novel that he co-wrote with Ty Frank, which I enjoyed a great deal. I do think it's a little bit, big and flabby but that's the way that goes and Caliban's War is coming out uh, in about four months or five months I think so that'd be great Mm -hmm. and the sequel to his big fantasy novel as well The Dragon's Path, that I'm looking forward to he also very kindly and I'll publicly thank him now, sent me a signed set of his first quartet of books which I'm looking forward to uh I nearly kicked you in the shins uh, on the podcast here, Gary, a second ago, when you did the clang. Uh, listen to what I have, and you guys don't thing which I think you hoped we'd all not notice that you were doing that fanboy. I already have the new Caitlin Kiernan novel, Nyan Nyan Nya, nya, nya. <laughs> but we've <but laughs> we, read it yet. But but By we the time I it, really, Other people will have it. <laughs> but but we did notice, Gary. Just so there, clang. Thanks. Okay. And I am Fine. looking forward to Caitlin Kiernan's Drowning g- Girl and Margot Lanigan's Sea Hearts. Uh, which I just need to have the time for because I actually have a copy of that. Yeah, I'm right? not going to say anything at all. <laughs> yeah, shut up. Uh, you've changed my mind about the Tim Powers, which I was getting ready to skip. So I'm looking mm. forward to that. Uh, Hide Me Among the Graves. I'd love to be able to look forward to that again. Uh, that sounded weird. Let me rephrase that. I'd stop, I'd stop reading him, I guess. Uh, the collection I'm most looking forward to is The Potawatomi Giant, which is the new Andy Duncan. I love your mm-hmm. stuff. That and at the mouth of the River of Bees, which is the Kids Johnson, which is due out halfway through the year. So there's lots and lots. Uh, there's something happening in the background there. Hello. Um, anyway. Now, awesome I'm still here. Awesome. Well, I think everybody's still here. But something. Anyway, it was, it was awesome and wonderful, and I love that. Now, Kirsten, how about you? What are you looking I, forward to I, in 2012? I It's funny, I've just
6: been going through my list and ticking off everything that everyone else has just said. (laughs) I don't think I've got much left. Um, I also had at the the top of mine um, the Caitlin Keenan novel Drowning Girl. Mm -hmm. Um, But she's also got a collection of, um, they won't be wholly original work, but there were some original stories in there through Subterranean Press, which is Confessions of a Five-Chambered Heart. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure how much of that is going to be from her... Um, monthly subscriber digest and how much will be, have been more widely printed, but um, I'm very much looking forward to getting that book. Um, I'm also looking forward to See Hearts by Margot when it finally comes out. This feels like a book I've been looking forward to for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that, it's got a, another title in America, doesn't it now? It's, the Brides um, of
0: Roll Rock Island. Yeah. Yes.
6: Yeah. Separate I, from the I,
0: UK and America.
6: Yeah, I really liked it when it was watered silk. I thought that was a beautiful title. Um, But anyway, so Sea Hearts the novel as opposed to Sea Hearts the um, award-winning novella. Um, And yeah, the Keith Johnson uh, collection that I'm really, really looking forward to because I I read, I think the first story of hers I ever read was Spa a couple of years ago um, because it was part of the Hugo Packet and i thought it was really good and i i don't know why i didn't bother looking up any more of her work then but actually it was um your eclipse collection anthology this year jonathan yep. with, with her yep. story story kit yep. which yep. just completely blew me away and then i read ponies and i read a couple more and i've read that the um the story in asimov's and she's just one of my new favorite writers
2: that, So that's going to be that's going to be on writer and the critic isn't it that collection
6: I think it <laughs> <good> will be. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's sort of all the, the literary stuff I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm also looking forward to Prometheus, though I hope it comes out in 2D, as well as the 3D version, because they mm. give me a headache. Mm. Um, and Hunger Games. I think that sure. will be amazing. Um, and actually, one I don't have to wait too much longer for is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the, the Fincher remake, which, um, which looks, from the trailers, the trailers look absolutely superb, and it's a Trent Reznor score, and, um, yeah, I think David Fitch is a, a, an amazing director, so I'm really, really, really looking forward to seeing that in possibly just a couple of weeks, I think it's a January release. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, just in terms of television, I'm, I'm, I've am I'm kind of gotten a bit hooked on American Horror Story. Um, I had a really... Yes, sorry?
5: Sorry, Gary? I have,
3: too. I'd love to talk to you about the female representation
6: in that show. Yeah, it got really weird towards the end. Um, have you I don't the know. Last episode? Yeah, I've, se- I've seen the whole first season now, and I, I will watch the second season, but I'm not sure those last two episodes are a little bit, yeah. I, I'd, I'd like to know, actually, when they knew they got the go-ahead for a second season. That would be really interesting, at which point in the production they knew they would get another season. Um, but, yeah, so that's sort of some of the, the things I'm looking forward to. Um, I've actually never gotten into Fringe. I've tried twice. <laughs> I'm going to have to leave that one.
4: <laughs> you can start from the second season, the very beginning, and it works very well. I've tried people on that rather than starting from the very beginning, and they yeah, found yeah, it's actually uh, been
6: a really good interest. I can't, Tandy. I can't start from the second season.
4: No, not feel it. Half of the first season you can skip. Hey, that's probably no, the half. No, you can spot. actually skip the whole first season because all the important revelations in the first season are re-revealed in the second season.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's true.
4: It's so true. Yeah, it um, means- I started my friend Kaya on it that way, and I don't think she's ever gone back to watch the first season, and she, like, loves it. So I know it's hard, but just, yeah, if you ever you want to try again, that would be the way to do it. All right, maybe I'll try again. With season an
5: odd piece of trivia about American Horror Story is that apparently the second season continues none of the characters from the first season.
6: Ah! Oh. oh, not even any of the ghosts.
5: They they'll show up occasionally as ghosts, but it's a new epi- <laughs> It's an entirely new uh, narrative. I've I've not seen a second season reconceive oh, itself that way before.
6: Okay, that's interesting. that's interesting because then I don't I don't know that I'm that I'm all that interested in it, if it's picking up from that um. Without spoilers, um, the final scene of the last season, if it's picking up that storyline, I'm not sure I care <laughs> very much.
5: The what I've read about it is that it's a different setting, a different it's completely different. Um, oh, okay. It so may, may just, not even be the same house. I mean, I'm wondering how many people were watching that series to begin with because of Dylan McDermott or Jessica Lange. Um uh, but Lange. apparently they're yeah. Jessica Lang I thought was amazing in that.
6: She was absolutely spellbinding. She was a fantastic character.
0: Okay, Okay. well, it sounds like you've got enough to keep you busy. How about you, Tansy? What are you looking forward to in 2012?
4: Well, um, for a start, as you know, mentioned with Alex, I have a book coming out in a month's time, <laughs> which is really exciting because, you know, it's the third book of a trilogy, and as some of you might know, it's quite a big deal for me to get a third book of a trilogy out.
3: <laughs> yes.
4: It's a first. <laughs> Um, But I'm particularly looking forward to it because I'm doing um, my writing group Raw meet together every 18 months to two years and we are actually doing it at the end of January here in Tasmania. And so they're going to – those who are able to come um, are going to be here for my book launch. So it's really exciting. I'm going to have a bunch of my mainland writer friends here in Hobart for my book launch. So that feels very special. Plus, you know, we get to work on books and do the whole raw thing, which where we basically lock ourselves away for half a week and critique each other's manuscripts and hang out and talk industry. So that's really, really exciting for me. Um, Yeah, so that's that's the first big event of the year. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: I want 2012 to be the year of reading books I already have because it really is starting to, to stress me out, the number of books I have that... I desperately wanted to read when I bought them, but I haven't been able to keep up. And they're just there in this big pile snickering at me. So even <laughs> though I'm, there are quite a few books I'm excited about this coming year, I actually want to prioritise reading books that I already own. I haven't figured out what methods I'm going to use to incentivize this, but that's my plan. Um, but as far as new science fiction media, actually the thing I'm most excited about next year, it's not books and it's not movies or TV, but those are all very good things. I'm excited about Big Finish Audio. Uh, I've talked about Big Finish before many times. I'm crazy about audio plays and they produce some really, really good stuff, not just Doctor Who tie-in, which is their main or production, but lots of other things. But this coming year, they have an amazing year planned. They've got um, I'm. I mean, – I'm personally excited because there's a little season of three plays in their main monthly range, which has my favourite kind of audio combination, which is The Seventh Doctor and Ace and Hex, and they're coming back after a year and a half or something, so I'm really excited about that. But also they finally got Tom Baker with them doing new material. There's a whole season of stories with Louise Jameson as Lila uh, and Tom Baker. There's another season coming later in the year, which is him with the first Romana. Uh, so they've basically, as soon as they got him, they've basically been writing their little socks off and producing all this material that sounds really quite exciting. I love the fact that their new tagline is his his voice, you know, the Tom Baker voice saying it's it's tea time in 1973 all over again. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean even though I've kind of gone off the boil with Tom Baker's doctor over the years, I've sort of you know leaned towards other eras. I'm getting a bit excited about that. Also, they're doing Blake 7, which they haven't done before. So, you know, and as many of you may be aware, I am a huge Blake 7 fangirl. Uh, so that's really exciting to me.
2: Tansy, and there's
4: also Yes.
2: We should do a Big Finish podcast only because I own every single audio play of all the spin offs. I've got 300 CDs in a cupboard. And uh, I actually went off them about a few years ago, and you've revitalised me. Even though oh. I still keep getting them. So, really? Uh, so you've been
4: subscribing but not listening.
2: Well, I've, I've I've caught up with the Companion Chronicles. I know I've listened to all those, but yeah. the last regular range one I re- I listened to was CD 124, and I think they're now at 155.
4: Okay. So, we, we need to talk. Because <laughs> 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 yeah, absolutely. There's been some fantastic work. The last. Year, year and a half, which is about the time I started subscribing because I was too busy catching up on the previous decade, uh, which I'm still doing. But they've yeah. had some amazing stuff the last year. But next year is really exciting. There also is the 20th anniversary of Bernice Benny. Summerfield.
2: Mm.
4: Yeah, the character created by Paul Cornell.
2: Who I wrote uh, for. Sorry. I wrote for it. I wrote That's some short so stories.
4: Exciting. Oh, but um, but they're doing <laughs> a fu- no, no. They're doing a full cast play. Of her, the original book by Paul Cornell, um, with all the the same actors: Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldred and Lisa Bauman's Benice. Uh, so yeah, of, of Love and War. So that they're doing for the twentieth anniversary. So there's just so much to listen to next year. But yeah, I'd be quite happy to to listen along with you if you want to some encouragement to listen through the ones you've got and haven't haven't heard.
2: Yeah, but yeah. uh, maybe I do need it.
4: Maybe you do because it's yeah. yeah. Big Finish have basically, they've they've really upped their game, I think, the last year or two. They've done some really exciting, quite experimental plays, and some of the things they've done with the, some of the characters, I just I just love them to bits. And I do find that I'm getting, yeah, I get excited every month when I get a new play to listen to. It used to be I didn't want to subscribe because I thought, well, what if I get plays that I don't want in my subscription? I uh, Maybe I only want these ones and not those, but no, I just want them
2: all. <laughs> yeah. Now. I am, I am I am pretty much up to date with Benny Summerfield, but that's only because I thought I might get a commission one day to write another story, but that never happened. Oh. But, but still, I am. Um,
4: I'm I, still I, that's 15 a 15 behind with her.
2: No, they've been very good.
4: Yeah. Okay, so that's 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 my big excitement whole next Excellent. year. I've prepaid for so many different seasons for next year, so many different <laughs> plays of theirs. So I'm hoping that yeah, it's going to be like. You know, these things are going to magically appear. And again, it's downloads mostly for me, not okay. the CDs in the cupboard. Excellent. a storage issue. So well, have a
0: look. That actually ties into something that I'm interested in and that Gary and I are going to explore on our future podcast, which is this recent rise of audiobooks and the popularity of them and how people are consuming them, the whole Neil Gaiman Presents thing and everything else. Mm. But what now occurs to me since we're all still here, and believe it or not, we're doing pretty well time-wise. Okay. We all represent... A variety of podcasts, and I thought I'd just ask, as as batches of podcast presenters, what you're looking forward to as a group. So maybe you know Elisa, Alex, and Tansy. What are you hoping for for Galactic Suburbia in 2012? You're you're on the cusp of your 50th episode, I think. You're coming up on, you must be a third anniversary almost. So, what what are you guys looking forward to doing as as GS in 2012?
1: Taking over the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Uh, um, okay. I'm really looking forward to introducing Elisa, totally, and Tandy to a little bit um, to Anne McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say yes. that too. Yeah, we're going to do a spoilerific cool. podcast. We haven't decided when, we haven't decided what, but we're probably going to look at two McCaffrey novels. And I'm a very big McCaffrey fan, so I'm very much looking forward to that this coming year. Yeah.
4: Whereas I've I've been a patchy McCaffrey fan over the year. Years and have basically managed to avoid all her dragons. So we, but I read a lot of her science fiction, but not her 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 other science fiction, which people think looks like fantasy. I haven't read much of that. So yeah, no, I'm looking forward to doing that. I think the spoilerific podcasts are a great way to come out a body of body work. But I think after our last one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, it, I, I, I just really feel bad if you, the author listens to it. Um, I think doing the body of work thing and trying to talk about a couple of different works by one author is possibly a better format than just one book. Mm. Um, same with The Hunger Games. I mean, for Elise and I just being able to go through and vocalize our feelings about the whole trilogy as opposed to just one book. I don't know. I think it works better. And I loved the Jonah Russ one. So I think that would be a really cool thing to do. But we'll have to see how we go. Okay. And also, you know, the author not being alive.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: so hard.
1: Guess, case, is, you've
4: got to put the boot in. Is You're
5: like a, beginning to sound like one of us academics. I mean, one of the rules of academia is that you kill the writers before you write about them.
4: Well, I am a <laughs> classicist, you know. So I'm used to writing about people who've been dead for 2,000 years.
5: Well, oh, that's true. <laughs> oh, but <Oxford>,
4: honestly anyway. <laughs> and,
0: and Kristen and Ian, how about you? What are you looking forward to for the writer and the critic in 2012? It'll be your second full year podcasting, I believe. That's right.
6: yeah has yeah, been be.
0: and yeah you, you've evolved into one of I think all of our favorite podcasts over the year. Mm-hmm. So so what, what are you hoping for or planning or thinking? Um,
6: I was hoping Ian would would start to uh, maybe go back to our roots and recommend books he's actually
2: read. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. For example, I'm gonna throw a Thomas dish in there this year. I don't know when, but I will. <laughs>
6: um, but yeah, I'm I'm also we've been kind of joking about it, but I think we're actually going to do it. Um, Ian's going to recommend um, Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace, <gasps> and I'm going to recommend um, House of Leaves by Mark. <laughs> Oh sure, you're sure, you're sure
2: Is that you sure? You you want to do? That would be
6: the same it? podcast. That would be the same podcast, but we'll probably announce those books six months out of when we do it, so people have time to read them.
0: So okay, so I'm you're planning your
4: last other people.
0: <laughs> but so tell me, so you're planning your last episode then?
4: <laughs> it might be that, yeah. <laughs> it
6: might be the December one, because um, it'll probably take me the whole year to read the the Wallace.
2: Yeah, probably.
6: Oh. And, and Ian will probably put off the um, the Danielewski
2: for about twelve months. Well, well, only because it's going to give me a migraine. All that stupid text and things in circles and weird shit. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to swear. But yeah, that's going to. That, <laughs> and, and plus, there's no paperback version, is it? Is there? What do you? What, oh, uh, I've got a paperback version.
4: Yeah. I've oh, got a paperback version on my shelf. I haven't read it, but it's on my shelf. Yeah.
6: <laughs>
2: Just looking at it makes my eyes go weird. It's uh, it's going to be great. That's going to be a great podcast. I can't wait. <laughs>
6: I think that's our December one for next year.
2: Yeah. And of course, so we've, like, also, we've, all, yeah. we've also got some guests lined up who don't know yet, who I think will be cool. And I also want to get John Richards back. I want to make him an annual writer in the. He doesn't know that either, but I want to make him an annual writer in the Critic guest in November.
4: Excellent. I really loved that episode. That was very cool.
6: He seemed to suffer
4: fun. so greatly. It was quite entertaining.
6: <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm also hoping we can, we can do another um, live audience podcast at the NatCon in in, um, in June. So that will be fun.
0: Will you take your stick?
6: I might take my stick this time.
2: <laughs> but I've been I have been a very good boy. In the last couple of podcasts have I said one objectionable thing. Yes. you see how well I've trained you? Except for except for the thing about Elisa and, and forgetting the fact that there are other Jewish <laughs> podcasters out there. Except for that have I and, and I didn't get and I have to point out I didn't get pointy sticked on that one. So I didn't bring my Stick with me. Well, it was a John Richards house, so yeah, true. Yeah. But he had water; you could have squirted
0: <laughs> me. Anyway, oh, bringing slapstick to to podcasting. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and and Gary, what about for us? What do you think? We've got our hundredth episode know. coming up. We're always talking
5: about whether we should have more guests or fewer guests, or whether we should actually think about what we're going to talk about more than five minutes in advance. Um, I was I was impressed this year at how amenable Ursula was to coming on, and that made me think, well, maybe we should just look around and see who's interesting.
0: Or we could just ask, her back, ask, every, her. Every <gasps> ask her back every every second week. Or we could ask her back. Wait. Because because you know, the, the the way I I picked it up you know the, the vibe on that one was everybody was sort of like yeah uh, you know have have her back regularly that would be good I mean well yeah. we could do that I will say um I'm set kind her of, up
4: for their own podcasts. <laughs>
0: No, she's bumping up our ratings. No, 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 we need her. Um, <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, we have a number of friends who would like to be on podcasts yeah. again. And, uh, I don't think uh, – we, we can ask our other fellow podcasters here. I mean, can is there is there a, a, an oh. etiquette about how often
2: you have somebody on?
5: I mean, I know Peter Straub would like to be on again. I'm pretty sure Ellen Clay just would like to be on again. Uh,
2: I don't think there's uh, an, an etiquette. Check- I think you have – you have them on when they're available. I think because the the podcasts you did in uh, was it Reno were fantastic. Yeah. They were fantastic. I, I was going to yeah. blog about it. They were they were some of the best stuff I listened to all year. Oh, forget wow. forget just yeah. Dacud Street. Just uh, you got some really good questions to the to Kim and to Ian and to the Joe Walton one was brilliant. You, really good questions. And you got some great answers. So if they're erudite and interesting to listen to, it's a winner. Yeah, definitely
4: oh, have to with... Well, take
2: we'll that. that that's good Broadway. advice. That's, yeah. that's very good advice.
4: I think the trouble with guests in a, a Skype-based podcast is it can take a long time, especially if you've got more than two people involved, it can take a long time to get practised enough that you're not constantly, you know, accidentally stepping on each other and having long pauses and all that sort of stuff, and, which is not to say that we don't still do that, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, but when you we have the opportunity to have guests in person, and there's at least one other person in person, so to speak, it doesn't matter if there's one of you is on Skype, but yeah, I think that often will work better, whereas sometimes with podcasts where there's somebody who's not used to it over Skype, it can kind of – yeah, there's something about the dynamic of catching people in person and recording yeah. that works very well, I think. Good to know.
5: But in very, case of somebody like Ursula who basically doesn't travel much anymore. Oh, yeah, and that one oh, was yeah.
4: wonderful. Yeah. I mean, but, and it wasn't – I mean, the topic was amazing too. Like, it was just this perfect synchronicity. Yes. But yeah. – I mean, yeah, we, we would quite happily, you know, if you can get her back just to read the phone book or something, that would also be fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> probably a waste of her talents, but, you know, she's, she's wonderful. Oh.
2: Well, I'd, I'd love to hear one with you two and Lou Anders. Oh, okay. Because so, Lou's, Lou's someone is uh, very opinionated and I'd like to, yeah, <laughs> to, no, in a good way, not in a bad way. That's why I'd like to see you two, uh, yeah, interview him. Again, okay.
5: again. Well, I, I have a number of friends in the industry publishers, editors, agents and so forth, who every time I talk to them explain to me that I know nothing about what I'm talking about whatsoever and I keep thinking, <laughs> well, you should tell me that on a podcast sometime because <laughs> I'm not aware of being that ignorant And Well,
0: and, well and, hang on Gary, except for those couple where the, when they're telling you that, you're going, but you're an idiot and you don't understand either <laughs> and I've had that experience, oh, I've, had, yeah. I've, I've had somebody a pub, someone in publishing, which I will not name rant at me about how little I know about the genre and the field. And I'm thinking, but I think you're an idiot. Well, I mean, I, okay, I know. I, I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking about. And I'm thinking, I'm, 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 I'm,
5: I'll, this is somebody I'll be on a two-hour conversation with, and I'm thinking, it's got to be time for your medication by now.
0: <laughs> oh, we'll skip off that. I, I'm, I'm still looking forward to the 100th episode if we get there. If?
4: <laughs> well, if.
0: Is it well? Yeah, Well, yeah, we'll get there. I'm sure we'll get there. It'll be in May, I think, the 100th episode. And um, I was toying with the idea of maybe, you know, sort of getting some extra guests on, maybe having... I was toying with the idea of a t-shirt competition. Not a wet t-shirt competition, Mm -hmm. but a designer t-shirt competition. I think I I thought this was the moment I should clarify that right up front. I thought Something could be fun. Doing something interesting for the 100th episode. And I guess since you guys are so kind and generous about the stuff in Reno, which I I had no real feel for other than just hoping to God the recording worked. um,
4: That's always good.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and doing it on the, the skype on the iPad for me is proven about a 80 20 kind of thing so but uh, it would be interesting to do it in Chicago or Toronto depending and of course Gavin and Kelly are coming to Australia so maybe trying get to get them involved would be fun because uh, be good to chat with them but it sounds like mm-hmm. there's a lot for all of us in the in the year ahead which is excellent and I guess that means that perhaps podcasting recording wise we've reached a good point to wind this Boxing Day mega podcast to the sequel up. That's well said. So I the- love the
5: positioning of that
0: preposition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with with that in mind, thank you very much, Alex in Ballarat. Goodbye. Thank you very much, Elisa in Port Kennedy. Thank you. Thank you, Odenizen of Stinking Onion Swamp, Gary. Thank you. Thank you, Ian, in Caulfield North. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, podcast debutante Kirsten in Melbourne.
4: You're very welcome.
0: And thank you, Tansy.
4: Merry Boxing Day.
0: Merry Boxing Day. And with a little bit of good fortune, we will see you all again here next year. I I think it's right to say that for all seven of us, we hope everyone has a wonderful 2012, and we look forward to seeing you in a year's time.